Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and I'm an avid book lover. I really love listening to authors tell their stories, so in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to well-known authors and we also update you on other news from the books world. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, ensuring you never miss an episode. Our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find find news about some great book events happening around the country. Patricia Gibney is a best-selling crime author from Mullingar in Westmeath and she is one of the biggest success stories in global publishing this year. Her debut book, The Missing Ones, sold over 600,000 e-book copies across the world in just six months last year. At one stage, she was on the Wall Street Journal's list of best-selling books nestled between John Grisham and Patricia Cornwell for sales of fiction e-books. The Missing Ones is now available in paperback and on bookshelves across Ireland. Patricia, sitting between John Grisham and Patricia Cornwell in the bestsellers list. It's, it's very <laughs> surreal. Um, I can't believe it really myself. And they would be two of my um, favourite authors as well over the years. So um, it's all just a bit surreal. So half a million or actually nearly 600,000 copies of The Missing One. I'm sure when you were writing it, you didn't think that was going to happen. No, because I wrote for myself initially and um, never in my wildest dreams um, at the beginning thought that people would actually be reading my work. Um, So things turned around and worked out for me. So it's just really um, astounding the way things have gone. And it's been a fantastic journey. But I suppose, first of all, why did you start writing? Well, my life took um, a very um, kind of tragic turn of events, uh, for want of a better word, back in 2009. Um, I'd been working full time for almost 30 years with Westmead County Council with uh, three children. Um, Ashling was sitting her leave insert and Orla was doing her junior set in Cotton. just started first year. And in February um, of 2009, which is just nine years ago this week, um, Aidan was unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer. Uh, he was 49, he was fit, he was an army sergeant um, and he got a clot in his leg and when the investigators did CT scans to see why this had happened, they discovered that he had a very rare form of cancer. Um, we tried to pull ourselves together and to um, we kind of cocooned ourselves into an unreal world, really, to um, thinking like this is not really happening, trying to you know keep going on with normality and the girls were still studying, going to school. Um, it didn't start a chemo. And um, it wasn't working. And in May, um, the doctor, the oncologist brought us in and he said, do you realise like how bad this is? And we were saying, no, 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 it's grand, mm. you know. But um, he said, well, I think you need to get your affairs in order. And Aidan just said, well, tell me, you know, how long have I left? You know, and I was thinking, like, you know, three years, you know, you know, we get, you know, a few Thinking more positively. years out of this positively. And he said um, three to six weeks. So overnight, like our world was just pulled apart, like we were coping well enough with the cancer as as we could. But then it was just um, downward spiral. We tried to keep going. But within three weeks, the 31st of May, Aidan had died. And the day after his funeral, the girls set their exams. That's that's the type of cocoon and unreal world that we were in. And we kept trying to go, you know, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, um, keep keep ourselves as normal as possible, knowing at the back of my mind, you know, life was never going to be the same again. Mm-hmm. So I got, after about a year and a half, I actually, you know, I cracked. I just, 
I, it was too long trying to be the strong person, the person holding everybody together. And um, I just went into this black hole. I don't know. I can't describe it. I think it's something you have to live through to actually, you know, to know what it was. I was just so in my own head and couldn't see outside of it. But through time, I started uh, painting. Um, my kids rallied around me and rather than me being the strong person, they were the strong, the strong people in, in, in the house. The reversal of roles. Yeah. And um, I started painting and drawing and I did a little children's book initially. And all along, I was writing every morning. I read this book called The Artist Way and it recommended morning pages. So you write every morning before you get out of bed. So you're emptying your head of all this um, negativity and anger and grief. So you're getting it out of your head and onto a page. And I found from that um, that I wanted to do something with what I was writing. And after I did the Spring Sprung Sally, the little children's book, I decided I was going to um, put my writing together and um, make a book out of it. And... I wasn't one for memoirs or autobiographies and I didn't want my story. So I've told the Lottie Parker story. I created this character and I wrote a crime fiction book because that's what I read. And um, from there, it was it just evolved. And how long did it take to write the first one? The Missing Ones took me nearly five years in total because, you know, I'd write a bit today. I mightn't write for a month. Um, got to about 30,000 words, got stuck in the middle, didn't know what to do. But I was... I was focused, you know, it was the only thing that kept me going. I focused on wanting to get this book finished and published. And I started doing courses in the Irish Writers' Centre. I met some brilliant Irish um, crime writers, Louise Phillips and Arlene Hunt, um, who mentored me and brought me along. And um, I was getting great feedback. And people were believing in my writing, even when I wasn't believing in it. So it gave me great encouragement. And um, I eventually finished it. And I sent it to somebody to um, to appraise the manu- manuscript appraisal, it's called. And I thought, like, you know, this is great. You know, it's going to be ready to go out. And um, the word I got back was that um, it needed a lot of work and it could be salvaged. Oh, salvaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, that was a little bit. I think I cried for a week, you know, but I right. said, no, this is not going to get me down. I've been through so much. I'm not going to let it get the Pick yourself back up. I picked myself back up and I spent nearly another year on it, uh, reworking it, editing it, and eventually sent it out to um, a few beta editors and got back positive response and um, I decided then I was going to send it out to agents and the first agent I sent it to was Ger Nickel and um, she e- emailed me to say she was reading my book and really enjoying it and I emailed her back to make sure that she hadn't mixed me up with somebody else really <laughs> <laughs> but she did love it and she signed me up and uh, I was just absolutely delighted thrilled that um, somebody you know recognised my, my writing and The Missing Ones which is the debut novel we're talking about so that was published in March 2017 so only last year that's right yeah um, I was taken up by Bookature who are uh, digital publishers from London and they're relatively new I think at the moment now they're about five years in existence and at the time they took me on they were about three and a half years in existence and they were publishing digital books through Amazon, Kobo, audiobooks and I really knew nothing about the digital publishing world bar that I read my books on the Kindle. And how did you feel about it being digitally published as an e-book as opposed to an actual physical book on the shelves? Well I was delighted at the time because as I say that's what the way I read my books and um, I kind of recognised that you were you were going global 
with your book. It wasn't just, um, uh, say, an Irish market or a UK market that you, your book was going to go out into the world. But I had no expectation that anybody was even going to read it. But I was excited about the digital publishing. Well, 100,000 downloads after one month. It was just amazing. And 600,000 cents. Yeah, it's it's just um, phenomenal. The response to the book has been... Um, Oh, I just can't believe it. I think people have connected really well with the, my main character. Uh, the feedback I get is that she's very real. People connect with her. They can see her struggles and people um, find themselves in those type of struggles with their, like a single parent family, trying to raise your children, trying to hold down a full time job. Um, and what's interesting is with Lottie Parker, the main character, once you do get to know her and once you get to know your story, her story has a striking resemblance to yours. So you were channeling your own story through her, really. I think I channeled a lot of my own emotion into the character of um, Lottie Parker. Um, people say there's always about 30% of yourself in your in your main character, and I would probably agree with that. But um, I just took her to another level and made things a whole lot worse for her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say, because in the book, her husband dies uh, from cancer. She also had three teenage children and, again, wasn't coping too well and trying to, to juggle work. Yeah but also wasn't dealing with his death either, you know, and wasn't dealing with the grief. Yeah, Lottie didn't recognise um, what her problem was, you know, and she still, I think, throughout the books, uh, the series that I've written so far, is she's still getting it hard to, like she's beating herself up the whole time and she doesn't know really what it is that that's wrong with her, well, not really wrong with her, but what it is that's kind of driving her and it's the grief that she is unable to cope with. So from there, then you had one book and then you moved on to the second one. So, yeah, um, the book tour um, came back to Ger and uh, said they were interested in publishing a series with the lead detective of Lottie Parker. They asked, had I anything else written? And at the time I had, when I'd finished The Missing Ones and sent it off, I had started writing the next book. You know, I just had to keep that side of my brain busy. So I was halfway through the second book, The Stolen Girls. And they came back with a proposal uh, for four books. For four books? Four books. Okay, that was yeah. a happy day, I'd that say, was That was a it? happy day. <laughs> and then when The Missing Ones did so well last July, they've signed me for a further three. So okay. there will be seven. At the moment, there'll be seven in total. All together. And have you plotted out all of those? No. <laughs> okay, so Short that, answer, no. That, that's that's the job. <laughs> yeah. So to date now, the books were e-books. But as we said, The Missing Ones, which is the first one in the series, is now out as a paperback. So that's on shelves and people can actually physically buy the book. Yeah, that came out on the 4th of January. Um, last year, book tour were acquired by Hache UK and Little Brown are a subsidiary of Hache UK. And they took on a certain number of authors that were digitally published to publish as paperback and uh, so mine is um, came out on the 4th of January um, of this year in paperback so it's in should be in all the bookstores in Ireland and so far it's been in the top five in the Irish bestsellers Congratulations so that's, that's great that. and in terms of plotting you have said before you don't like plotting no, I don't. I start with um, my character and my, like Lottie is my main character, her family and her work colleagues. And I have this fictional town of Ragmullen, which is the location where the books are set. And I've, the feedback I've got from American Australia, people absolutely love the setting. And it's the Midlands of Ireland and um, it's um, very real to people and they love it. So when I'm starting a book, that's what I start with. And I have maybe a theme, you know, in my head. But until I actually start putting the the fingers on the laptop, 
I have not much of an idea where it's going and I could be really? 20,000 words in and I say, oh, yes, that's that's my plot. That's what I'm doing. So you're using the characters sometimes to, to help you with the plot as opposed characters to the other way around. Characters are driving the plot uh, mainly. And once I get, you know, a really good handle and idea where I'm going, then the new characters come in and they take over. And interestingly, again, the the, the plot with the missing ones, it's very much about covering up murky situations, shall we say, in small town Ireland um, and in particular sort of child abuse in the Catholic Church in the 1970s, which is totally relevant at the moment, given everything go- else going on in, in, in the news at the moment. But why did you choose that particular story? Some people might think it might be quite dark. It is a very dark and at times disturbing. Um, it, it is a dark and disturbing story in reality. And in my book, it's the way I portray it. But I didn't actually set out to write that story. Um, I actually set out to write about developers and planning. Oh, right. <laughs> and I have characters and a subplot that follows that. But when I wrote the prologue of the three little children looking out the window of an institution and seeing a child being buried and one child turns to the other and says... I wonder which one of us will be next. And that's set in the 1970s. And I said, well, I have to tell their story. So it was like, it it sounds a bit surreal, but it was like those children were talking to me. And that's how the plot um, evolved. And that's the way I write. So that became, rather than being a subplot in the story, became the main plot in the story. So you're quite flexible then in terms of that sense. You don't rigorously plot out and stick to it. No, I wouldn't be like J.K. Rowling with a wall covered in spreadsheets and post-its. Some people are. Yeah. And I know everybody is different. Um, I I do. I have a whiteboard, you know, and I I would be dotting up my characters and ideas. But I wouldn't say this is going to happen in this chapter and this is going to happen in that chapter. I can't write that way. I can't, I can't, I don't feel me personally that I can be creative that way. And interestingly, as you said, you've got four written now. You now have to write another another three. So you're going to have to sit down and think of those plots then. Yeah, I've just started book five. I, I wrote three lines on it so that I at least have something started. <laughs> <laughs> and how long does it take you to write it? Um, well, between writing it and all the edits and proofreading, um, about six months. And do you write every day? I write every day. And yes. what sort of word count would you be looking at? I would have a minimum work count to about 1,500 and I could do anything between 1,500, maybe 5,000. Um, it depends on the mood, depends on what else I have to do in the house on that day. But I try to, um, you know, do as many as I can. Um, coming near the end of the book, I could be writing 10,000 words in the day. And interestingly, uh, The Missing Ones, it, like it's 400 pages. It's fairly, fairly substantial. Mm. But what I found was the chapters were quite short, making it really easy to read. You actually fly through it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to write too much. My editor tells me I write too much, you know, stick to what you're, like 100,000 words or whatever. But I always think, well, I can always edit it, you know. So um, I don't worry about writing too much because I know I can pair it back. And I like the way... Um, when I was finished with the missing ones and gone through the edits that it was um, you know it was pacey you know you, you you were brought along that we finish a chapter you want to read the next chapter and I don't think people realise like how long the book actually is and um, it, it's a quick read because people were saying to me look I read it in a night and I was saying it took me five years to write it how could you read it in a night <laughs> because the, again the short chapters keep the suspense going and you yeah. want, to, want to keep going and do you ever run out of steam? Um, yeah, at times when I'd be finished, you know, say a run of copy edits or line edits and, you know, you might be solidly at them for five days. You know, it might take me two days to recover, <laughs> you know, because I just I just get so engrossed into it. And, you know, especially if I'm coming near the end of the book and I'm, you know, trying to get to the end and I could be 
churning out five, ten thousand words. I'm just exhausted after it. Um, but then I picked myself back up again and said, this is what I want to do. This is keeping the brain active. It's keeping me sane. Um some people might say, well, I'm actually mad to be doing it, but to me... Well, I think with 600,000 downloads now, I'm, I don't think mad would be the first word anybody yeah. would think of. And in terms of criticism then, I mean, we talked earlier about initially you were told the, the, the first book could be salvaged as such. Mm. Now mm. that you're out there and available, obviously we've got book reviews. So how do you feel about those? Well, book reviews are very, very important, especially um, on the digital publishing because it helps to get your book noticed the more reviews you have. And at the beginning, I was um, so excited reading the reviews and the positive reviews. And like at this stage, I don't know how many reviews is on Amazon for the, for the missing ones. Like there's a huge number and I can't possibly go through and read them all. But it got to the stage that um, if there was one negative review, I just honed in on the negative and like the 1500 positive ones were just left by the wayside and all I could see was this one person who didn't like the book. And I have to acknowledge the book is not for everyone. It is dark. It is disturbing in places. Um, 90% of people will love it. There will be people who will buy it and say it's not for me and I have to accept that. But I think my brain is kind of um, programmed <clears throat> to hone in on the on the negative. So I, I'm beginning to, you know, st- take a step back, um, you know, let it go with the flow and realise not everyone, it's not for everyone, but most of the people so far have, have um, been positive about it. And focus on the positives, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously this is a series, as we said, and we're going to have seven all together. So what about doing something else or a different genre or a different type of book, a standalone book on its own? Have you thought of that? Yeah, well, each of the Lottie Parker books can be read a standalone. And the the thread that kind of makes them the series is Lottie's own journey her story. and her story. So it, um, basically it can be standalones. Um, when the seven books are finished, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. I just know that I'm going to keep writing. Um, maybe it will be standalone. I imagine I will always write in that genre. Um, because that's what I read. I read. I'm an avid reader. Um, I read all the crime books, all the crime series. Um, I love crime series on TV. So I couldn't imagine myself sitting down to write anything different. And Irish crime, the Irish crime scene is having a moment currently, isn't it's it? It's brilliant. It's just flourishing. There's so many um, crime authors and so many crime authors actually doing really well. Um, like if Liz Nugent's success is phenomenal Louise Phillips Arlene Hunt is actually with Book Couture now also um, I think she's writing her 10th book so it's um, you have Declan Burke I could go on there's so many there's um, a huge amount yeah. of names which which is fantastic so you're writing just started book five you're three sentences in yes. so <laughs> any sort of hint or do you know yourself where it's going to go I have an idea um, like I kind of have a theme through each book like um you know, the first book was like secrets, grief and loss. Um, the second one was, second and third ones were kind of around revenge. The fourth one is a lot to do with jealousy. Um, I think I'm back onto the secrets and the buried secrets into into number five. And she's staying in the Midlands, is she? Yes. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> do you think we'll see her on the TV screen? I'd love to see um, Lottie on the TV screen. There's a little been, been a little bit of interest. Um, nothing signed and sealed yet, but that would be my dream to see um, Lottie on TV. Well, Patricia Gibney, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find the missing ones in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. If you want to hear other episodes, just search for Inside Books on SoundCloud or subscribe on 
iTunes. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 